Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. Bud, a lot to get to, a lot to speak of before the uh, spring game. We'll have a a couple minutes to look back at the basketball team and all they accomplished this year and how much fun it was to uh, watch what what ultimately a team that maybe didn't have massive expectations were ultimately able to achieve. Uh, And as always, we'll uh, use your... Uh, recruiting expertise to try to bring our audience up to date with where Florida State stands in recruiting. Uh, as always, want to pause momentarily to thank our friends at Louisiana Hot Sauce, title sponsor of the Nolcast. Uh, fantastic product on uh, sale here at my local Publix today, I noticed, uh, and I'm pretty sure they run their sales nationally. So keep an eye out for it. Great product, something that we're fortunate to be able to brag on and fortunate to be able to partner with. Uh, and with that, Bud, we'll uh, we'll jump into this most recent edition of the Nolcast. No doubt, man. Great sponsor for us. I'm uh, excited to get into this. Not as excited to say goodbye to this basketball team, which I mean, it was really a, they were a joy to watch all year. I, I I liked watching this basketball team, and it, I'm sad that you know I'm, I'm not going to see Terrence Mann play again. Florida, you know, a couple of these guys, it, it, you're going to miss watching them. You know, and this was. This was a really cool intersection of fun, exciting basketball with good basketball at the same time. And, and I, I, you know, I said this on on Twitter a couple weeks ago. It, it really is pretty amazing that that Coach Hamilton was able to kind of change his direction midstream of, of his coaching career. I mean, heck, really on on the backside of his coaching career, if we're you know being mathematical here, and and change it up and go with something that was not really truly him. Start playing a more offensive brand of basketball, recruit to it, and then teach those kids how to play defense too and win. I mean, you look at the at the teams that Florida State has lost to, right? Like their most recent losses are basically all, I think, to number one or two seeds, right? Like they lost to Gonzaga. They lost to Carolina. They lost to Duke. Uh, before that, they lost to Virginia, I think. I mean – Ingram, if you wanted to beat this Florida State team in in in, in twenty nineteen, basically you had to be a number one seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just an incredible accomplishment all the way along the way, and some of the things that they've racked up, the home record. Uh, they they've very much established themselves, not necessarily as a preeminent program, but you know, as one of the top uh, fifteen to twenty uh, programs in the country right now. And uh, it's fortunate to be able to do kind of a mini pod with. Uh, with a minute prior to the uh, prior to the Gonzaga game, we just talked about you know regardless of that result, there has been a an appreciative transformation as far as how the program's viewed uh, both externally, uh, nationally, and, and within the conference, and and maybe even more importantly, how the program's viewed internally. Um, Bud and I have been you know kicking around the idea, and, and ultimately we'll have one here probably in the next month or so of doing not necessarily a. a show that's exclusively about the boosters but maybe maybe we'll dedicate half a show uh to that issue and you know there's going to be some real hard decisions asked as far as where uh nickels and dimes are spent moving forward and and i think the basketball team has gone a long way uh to securing themselves a a plate at the table and and look we're never going to have the money that uh Carolina, Duke, and some of the other, you know, Kansases, Kentuckys, et cetera, of the basketball world. But I don't know necessarily that the basketball program will have to fight for every every dollar uh, as well. So uh, I think it's going to have a meaningful um, meaningful impact on the basketball program uh, long after we're, we're not as fortunate to be coached by 
somebody like Leonard Hamilton, but uh, just an exceptional team that just got got a little unlucky with injuries and ended up uh, ended up not being able to play with a with a full hand at the most important time of the year. Yeah, I I, I watched the game with, with with my dad one of the one of the few days in March that I was actually lucky enough to be home. I think I was home maybe five days uh, in in the month of March, maybe six. I, I got to recount that, but uh, you know we were just talking. I was like, man, if if we got these guys out with injury, and Gonzaga hits these shots, we're we're not going to win this. And like we 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 need them either to not hit these shots or we need to have our guys back. And uh, when you put that combo together, it just it's just not going to happen, and and unfortunately, it didn't. But nothing for them to hang their heads about. Certainly, uh, a really, uh, really impressive season on the heels of of you know going to the lead eight last year. Yeah, so uh, three three years in a row you've made the tournament. Three years in a row you've made the tournament and won at least a game. Uh, two years in a row where you've advanced past the first weekend. Um, ultimately, we're all going to sit around and you know you'll you'll probably have as anticipated as a, a basketball player declaration as you've had at Florida State in a long, long time with what Kevin uh, Gailey ultimately decides. And uh, look, basketball program has uh, grown in leaps and bounds and it's something that uh, I don't think is is ever going to overtake football uh, but it's something that I think is uh, has really kind of found a found a place for itself at the university I totally agree with you on that I, I have no real feel for if he's going to go pro or not the only thing I would say is like I don't pay attention to the NBA draft that much but this year's NBA draft does kind of feel loaded to me um, just you know you think about some of some of the big names the one and done types this year. I mean, starts with Zion, but there's a good number, and so I like. I don't think he's going to be a top ten pick if he were to come out this year. I'm, I would get. And I don't know enough about basketball to say that for sure, but it doesn't seem like he would be, you know, a, a lottery pick. Yeah, it's uh, and it's just something that you know. I think I think you really are kind of at a high water mark uh, for the basketball program here. It's just something that you. You have to enjoy if you're somebody that uh, you know suffered through the the late '90s and the early 2000s, and basketball really is your thing. Then the past couple of years have been uh, have been really special. Uh, at the same time, it doesn't mean like one of the questions that we got that we're not going to do a ton of questions tonight. But somebody asked if the we thought the basketball team would make the Final Four in the next three or four years. Well, there's nobody that can say that. I mean, if this were uh, you know the the whatever the Duke version of the Noel cast is uh, and you, you sign what many regarded was the best player in the country. And then you sign this freak uh, Zion to pair with him. You certainly thought you were going to be in the final four and Duke's not there. It's, it's just a, a big crapshoot. Uh, and ultimately you have to put yourself in place uh, to repetitively get to sweet 16s and kind of build up to that as a program. And uh, who knows if Florida state's going to make the final four anytime soon, but the, you know the the level of the the ceiling, or excuse me, the yeah, I'm going Michael Jordan there on you. But the you know the the floor of the program has been raised so much that uh, it's it's wonderful to even be able to have a conversation like that or have a question from a listener that you're not like, yeah, this guy's on crack. It's talking about the talking about the basketball program making a Final Four. Uh, it's just a kind of a wonderful period of time and. Uh, yeah, you may lose a little bit if Cavagelli doesn't come back, but you're, you've recruited at a high level, and this basketball program's not not really going anywhere either. No, they're not. I, so the odds of going to the Final Four in the next three years, 
What, what would, number would you put that at? 1%. Yeah, 1 in 100 over the next three years. I mean, th- no more than 3%, I would put. Yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of what number I, I, w- I, would, I would give you. I'll give you 30 to 1. Yeah. I mean, that's just what I'm comfortable giving. Now, I wouldn't take 30 to 1. If you want to take 30 to 1, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, what, what number I'd be comfortable giving? Um, I would probably want more like like 75 to 1, to be honest. Uh, of course, assuming assuming that, you know, that, that you uh, you pay out. So, you know, I do know. Don't count on it. This Don't is... count on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, you got anything else on basketball? But you're right. The, the, the greater point there. Is that it is a, uh, it's not as crazy as a question, right? Like, like we're not, we're not saying you know point one percent. We're not saying yeah, I'll give you a thousand to one. We're right? not asking are, Tim Tim Pickett to take you to the final four or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's 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 great great to be able to pose a question like that. And while I may you know put a low statistical percentage of it happening, it's uh, it's not ridiculous at all. It's I mean, just James not something that I would look at and be like win the Heisman. Say again. I mean, you know, Jameis was much more than 50 to 1 to win the Heisman when we started the year. Right. Yeah. You know, just like to put it in an FSU fan perspective, these things do happen. Maybe my response to that is like, uh, is more in the manner that if we don't make the Final Four in the next three years, that it's not, you know, it's, it doesn't mean that as though the program has failed to achieve or something like that. It's just, uh, you know, again, if you're if you're a Duke fan and you're looking at that basketball signing class, that's, a, that's about as sure of a ticket as you can find to the Final Four. And uh, Duke's not playing anymore, so it's just it's uh, it's it's a real hard benchmark to set for yourself. I'll put it that way. Are you rooting for any of the uh, the remaining teams? By the way, um, man, I was kind of. I mean, I wasn't like heartbroken or anything, but I I didn't I haven't watched much more after after Florida State exited. I I did watch some of this Sunday's games and enjoyed them, but uh, I won't. I will root to not have Auburn win, uh, just because I don't think Auburn needs to be winning a national championship in basketball particularly with uh with their head coach but uh you know i'll i'll, I'll watch but i i won't necessarily have a strong rooting interest for anybody good i i got to watch a ton uh this weekend because i my flight out of tampa to atlanta after i was at the adidas event on saturday uh, was delayed from like six fifty five to ten thirty. uh so uh i got to sit at a airport bar and get some work done and just watch a bunch of basketball um i I kind of like Texas Tech, just because they feel like such an underdog story. I know they've been good all year, but uh, anyway, we're a little off track here for a Florida State podcast. I'm gonna reel us back in, um, kind of an intersection of our worlds here, man. As far as as far as locales, uh, some interesting news today. Yeah, and this is something that uh, I think I've mentioned on the podcast that that people have been trying to get Florida State and Georgia to play for a long time, whether that be. Uh, like the dream scenario, I know even like in the years when you and I first started communicating, ultimately started doing a podcast. I mean that that was what the um, Atlanta Sports Council that was then, I think that was the group that was then doing the Chick Fil A Bowl. There's been a, a splitting of those two groups, and I don't need to bore our audience with that. But it, it was a it was a real strong want to try to put Florida State and Georgia together in in Atlanta in the Chick Fil A game. Uh, ultimately, that didn't happen. And um, uh, uh, home and home is something that a lot of Georgia fans that I've known for 
20 years have talked to me about wanting, and that was one of the places that they really wanted to go see and one of the programs that they uh, wanted to wanted to kind of welcome into Athens. So uh, who's to know what either of these teams uh, are going to look like in that period of time, but that's a great, uh, you know, great thing to do. I still think that Florida State as a program is going to have to play in some of these neutral site games simply because of the money attached to them. Um, but I think uh, I think securing that second marquee opponent in in the uh, the years where you're traveling to Clemson and to Florida is a real big deal. And uh, bringing a bringing a Georgia to Tallahassee is going to be a lot of fun for everybody involved and for those that choose to make their way up to Athens. Uh, as long as you don't get got by a bicycle cop or something like that, the, the local police in Athens are absolutely absurd. Uh, but absent that, it's one of the more enjoyable towns that uh, you could spend a weekend in. So I think this will be a lot of fun for all parties involved. No doubt. A- Athens is a great college town. Like 100%. It is awesome. Uh, I, you know, I spend a lot of time in Tallahassee and some in Tuscaloosa and Athens is better straight out. It, it like it, for the college town experience, I, I think it's better. Oh, it's, it's a, it's a place where uh, where you can have an awful lot of fun, and it's a great, you know, everything that you think about a college town. Great, great musical history. Great, a uh, lot of lot of fun to be had. And uh, anybody that makes their way over to East Georgia, I think will will uh, will not be too uh, won't have too much uh, idea that their money wasn't well spent. So let me ask you this though: Do you like playing the back to back years? Because I. I think there's some appeal to that, but at the same time, I would like to play 26 or 30, right? So keep keep the 28, but I mean, where you are with this is essentially, uh, I mean, you're, you now have to go on the road and play uh, Florida and Clemson in addition to, to playing uh, playing Georgia in the same year. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, from a from an overall perspective, I do like the back to back, just because I think it's I think it's better to kind of maximize on the the moment, if you will. Uh, but from a Florida State perspective and the what it what it means, you put yourself in the the other year. I think you bring up a good point, and that that's a real uh, you know it's not going to be not going to be a real easy stretch there. I mean, there could be a real concern for these even even uh, numbered year home slates, right? Which is like, what if Miami never gets back to being good? You know, like they they've got a seventy yard indoor facility, like they're not that committed to it. You know, they they just made it what it's kind of an internal hire. Um, I'm not saying they can never get back. They they may, but. Like I think that the chance that Clemson and Florida uh, remain ahead of them as programs uh, is pretty good, at, at least in in this decade long time frame. Uh, so with that, I, I do wonder if this would be better to put it in, in those years. But man, like, what's the incentive for people to buy season tickets other than than the diehards in, in these even numbered years? If, if if Miami's the only home game, right? Like I think people have a hard time believing that Louisville and uh, uh, and NC State are are actually games that they're excuse me, NC State's a road game in those years. Um, who do they who do they play at home in, in, in the even numbered years? It's what you get Wake Forest, right? Yeah. Or am I screwing this up? I, I may be screwing this up. Excuse me. Yeah, I, I mean in, in in the odd numbered years. Excuse me. In the oh, odd numbered okay. years, your your schedule is very difficult. 
to sell to people at home, right? Because you, you're on the road for Clemson and for Florida. So you get the awesome combos of host Syracuse, host Miami, which I think people will buy, but perhaps buy separately, uh, host NC State, host Louisville, uh, and then that's kind of it. So if you are of the mindset that NC State and Louisville are like rivals, which I, I am, but I cover this team for a living. So, you know, I, I, I don't know that I, I'm kind of the average fan there. A lot of people probably don't think of those as games that would justify buying a season ticket package. I think ultimately uh, you have to you have to try to build up your season ticket audience to a to a place where they aren't making an annual decision on it. And I I know that's easier said than done, but um, ultimately you've just you've got to try to try to have it to a point where you have a level of support where they're not necessarily looking at the looking at the schedule and then making a decision as to whether or not to buy their season tickets. Now maybe they're looking at the schedule and making a decision as to whether or not they travel up in week five from Orlando or down from Atlanta or wherever it may be. Uh, But, you know, Florida state's task is to try to try to develop that pool to an extent to where they're not as, you know, not as uh, it doesn't ebb and flow as much as based off their individual schedules. And then, you know, we're always um, like, like, (laughs) <laughs> you could always see the ACC revisit uh, the conference structure. It's It's been something that uh, people in, like, uh, Greensboro have talked to me about and people in the Georgia Tech program. I mean, ultimately, I think there's a want to try to put Georgia Tech and Florida State in the same conference, uh, same part of the conference. Uh, there is there is a want to, I think, reevaluate the composition of the uh, conference subdivisions at some point in time as well, which could have an impact on this broader conversation. I, I, I completely agree with there. Um, you know, I, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine today and, and he was, he was like, look, I, I would like to go to the spring game, but uh, they're going to charge for my, uh, for my son. Who's like five months old <laughs> to go, to go into the championship, to, to go in the championship club. And yeah. I was like, 50 bucks for your five-year-old sir right and it's like okay he's like so they could they could take you know a hundred dollars from me and my wife uh and you know like this kid is not old enough to sit in a seat by himself like he he sits on my lap um but uh anyway i was like that doesn't really sound like a smart policy for a, a program that needs to you know make sure that it's uh making its fans happy at a, at a time where the product is rather poor and, and, you know, a lot of fans feel like they've not been treated very well by the boosters in recent years. So that's kind of off track a little bit more. I know we have more coming on that booster show that we might, uh, we might get to at some point uh, in this off season. Um, spring games coming up. Oh, speaking of attendance for the spring game. Hey, that's, that's a nice, uh, um, that's a nice little segue there, which we should tell you, by the way, I'm going to the spring game. Ingram, you're going to the spring game because we are going to Madison Social for the Madison Social Nolcast tailgate at Madso. It's going to be great right there in the heart of College Town in the shadow of Doak Campbell Stadium. You know, there could be some weather later in the day. You know, a great place to be if it's a little bit overcast? Indoors at Madso. And if it's nice, the patio at Madso. Come see us. Get your pint class, fill it with a, a delicious beverage, maybe a Noel Cast Bloody Mary, 
a delicious beer. If you don't partake, just uh, a Diet Coke or something like that in a pint glass. It does taste better, uh, 100% certified. And uh, we're going to come, you know, say what's up to everybody, not do like a formal presentation like that, but, you know, we'll, we'll sit around and, and chat with you all for a little while and uh, and just thank everybody for, for being supporters of the show. I know we did it last year uh, twice and, uh, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. It's going to be a great time, and uh, please do come out. I think what, what is it start at ten or eleven? Uh, I believe it starts at ten. Uh, so you know, we'll we'll make our way down there. Have a great time. Always fantastic to be able to interact with listeners, and uh, I'll I'll make sure I give you Bud's cell phone number if I can't answer your question. So uh, we look forward to it. The the, the burner, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for Matt so for for uh, for throwing this and, and for being a, a loyal sponsor of ours for a long time and uh so what is your let's play a little over under here over or under twenty three thousand. actually wait how are we going to measure this this is silly let's play over under announced attendance for the spring game over under announced 31 over Damn, I might have said a bad number. I was, I was thinking about maybe going over two. No, that's a good number. It's a good number. Uh, actual bodies in the seat, I would put probably around 24,000 or so. Yeah, I was thinking low 20s. Uh, you, you don't think MC Hammer is going to carry him into the 40,000 people? I uh, I don't see that happening, no. no. So I do think there's some – what if I put the number at 35 announced? I would probably take the under there. I think there's kind of a psychological thing to where, look, we know they don't tell the truth on these announced numbers, right? Like, it's just... Not unique to Florida State either. Uh, no, it's when just we a say college they. ball thing in general. Yeah. Um, but last year they had over 60,000, so I don't think they want to announce a number that shows that they have less than half the people this year. Like, just from a PR standpoint. Uh, so, my bet is that they will announce something that is slightly over whatever makes it seem like, like they had at least half the people this year that they had last year. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be very, it's a different vibe this year, man. We got a lot of people being like, I don't know if I'm buying in and like, look, I, I don't think you need to buy in necessarily, but I don't know how you can't be excited to see what they're going to show. Certainly there's a, you know, there's a small, uh, small building optimism about what the offense uh, may look like. And I, I think even, like, we acknowledged uh, after the after the Florida game that ultimately there was going to be nothing that could be said or done that were going to make people, like, fundamentally change their idea. It was, it was going to have, at this point, we were all going to turn into people from the state of Missouri and, and and tell people to show me uh that's we're not gonna don't don't tell me show me show me against boise state show me in the conference play etc um i but i do think that even even like a, a jaded or perhaps pessimistic person if you just look at the staff and compare last year's staff to this year's staff i think you can find reasons to to think that you've made a pretty big upgrade and that you might have a uh you know a, a a program that's more uh, represented in just your baseline expectations of uh, of what you want to see as far as being able to get lined up, being able to have an offensive identity, occasionally be able to execute in a manner that pairs with that identity. Uh, I do think that 
you know, neither of us are sitting here blowing smoke at you if we tell you that uh, that we do think you know coaching staff 1.0 is uh, is is not in line with with what the 2.0 staff looks like uh, as far as a pure coaching talent standpoint. Yeah, I I don't think there's any reason to disbelieve that the coaching staff upgraded. I, I think there's some positions that'll take a step back due to talent, uh, <clears throat> defensive end. Uh, but uh, you know we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. But like I get not believing, but not wanting to see to me is is a fundamentally different thing, right? Um, like why wouldn't you want to see what they look like? I don't know. I I would go. I like football. Um, if you don't go, I, I understand that as well, especially if you live uh, far away. But uh, certainly, at least go to the, at least go to our, our, our get together at Madso and, and get your pint glass. Um, we've had a lot of people ask, by the way, can they get a pint glass and order it online? The answer uh, right now is no. But if A we have extras, or B we have so much interest that uh, uh, that, that we you know kind of have the ability to do another run of them, then the answer turns to uh, maybe. So we'll have to just see about that. So since we are actually looking forward to the spring game, what, what are you looking forward to seeing? Well, uh, it's hard to hard to know for sure. I mean, I, I have some idea as to what the two teams look like. I haven't been able to find a full roster, maybe if that's out there. Uh, I know, like I've listened to an interview with uh, two guys that have chosen and picked up some of the uh, different composition of the team from Seminoles.com there. But um, really, I just want to see a team that's able to, you know, uh, kind of circle back to what I said a, a second ago. Like, what's the identity and are you able to really play within that identity? So if we're really going to try to be an up-tempo team, I'd like to see us be able to at least execute that to an extent in the spring. Um really looking at more macro stuff than I am uh, micro uh, with the exception of uh, LeBorn. I'll just be fascinated to see what that kid looks like and still am exceptionally optimistic as to what he ultimately might be able to turn into. I think you bring up a lot of great points. I know people always say we, we don't have enough disagreement on this show, but uh, I totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree uh, with what you just said there. Um, Edgar, do you think if you're trying to promote a spring game that you know people are not excited about, or at least some people are not excited about, it would be a good idea to release the rosters maybe like a week in advance? <laughs> I think um, it's easy to nitpick and it's easy to be uh, critical, particularly of some of the things Florida State does on social media and other aspects of the program. Uh, but I do think that they could have had a little bit more clarity as to exactly the composition of the two teams or how that played out, or, you know, maybe, maybe they could have done a better job of promoting that in general. I, there's literally no downside to this unless I'm missing something and you could just release them and say, Hey, subject to injuries, these could change, which, you know, would cover you if you had to shift some guys around because certain guys aren't going to play uh, due to injury or, or whatever. Um, just seems dumb it's also by the way a missed opportunity if you're going to have a draft put it on your social media right either facebook live it or you know like your your captains are going to be respected leaders of your team so they're not going to slip up and say something really stupid you know on 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 a facebook live i don't think 
Uh, maybe don't mic up the, the crowd of players just to be safe. Uh, but yeah, put it on Facebook Live or Instagram Live or whatever. Man, try to hype up, like try to hype up the event a little bit and get some people excited. Like this isn't unnecessary hype. And this isn't, oh, this hype is going to cause these kids to get big headed. Man, like if, if you know that you're going to have some attendance issues with this game, not putting out the rosters, which by the way, even if like the rosters aren't going to draw people to the game, it's going to promote some interest in the game. It's also going to promote awareness of the game, right? It's going to be like, Oh, yeah, the spring games this weekend. That's right. Okay, because people saw an article about it. Like, we would write an article on Tomahawk if you did it, right? If you wait until Wednesday or Thursday to send it out, uh, then that would not be something that uh, uh, that would probably give people ample time to decide if they want to go or not if they've not already made up their minds because it's probably later in the week and they might have to get a sitter or a hotel room or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I... I I'm not going to go on and on about this. It just does seem kind of silly not to have the roster. I, I know you saw some uh, some rosters on Seminole.com, right, which is kind of additionally silly. Like, why would they not include the full rosters? Uh, and you saw a bit of an imbalance, right? Yeah, yeah, and maybe they have. Maybe I've just missed it. Uh, but it, it certainly appears as though the <laughs> the team that Marvin Wilson put together uh, has a has a decided advantage. Uh, I'll put it that way from the – limited uh knowledge that we do have i believe marvin's team has um both of your starting tackles in all likelihood uh both of your starting corners d tackles uh, right yeah defensive tackles excuse me so they have durden and wilson obviously uh samuels jr and samuels the third uh they have uh blackman and tamori and terry that's that's a it's a pretty pretty significant starting point um so Again, from a from afar, it does appear as though there's a a little bit of a little bit of a decided advantage between the two teams. Yeah, that's uh, now. Of course, what we don't know is who has the first string offensive line, right? Like we also don't know is Dickerson going to play. Obviously, you know, Minshew uh, un- unlikely. Um, you know, like if your tackles are Jawan Williams and Bellow on one team. And then, like, Neil and Goss on, on the other. Uh, I mean, neither of those are good combos at all, to be totally clear. But the one at least has some college experience, and the other one has none. Um, like, that could probably decide the game. You know, just just that right there. Like, I, I that's the most important position because it's, it's your worst position on the roster by a mile. <sighs> It's uh you know it, it, we'll we'll certainly f- try to find things. A- another guy that you mentioned, or, or when you asked me about what I would look for, and I told you the more macro stuff. Um, I- I'm kind of intrigued by Warren Thompson right now as well. Uh, he's a guy that appears to be, uh, I don't want to say the light is coming on, but a guy that appears to be making strides, and um, I think could could really benefit from from having everybody in the everybody in the conference, you know. Tamari and Terry is not a secret to anybody at this point. Uh, so um, I think Thompson stands in a place to maybe benefit from some of the attention that Terry will receive this year. And a guy who's uh, certainly got a lot of a lot of physical aspects and tools that he's able to take advantage of. Yeah, I, I definitely want to see if somebody uh, will step up. Like like you said, maybe it's Warren Thompson. But you know, who fills that, that Nooney Murray role? I, I do think that this offense is going to put – 
put DJ Matthews in a position to succeed in the slot, but but he's not really going to fill that Nooney role on the outside. You know, is it Warren Thompson? Does you know does does Jordan flash? I I, I will tell you that like one thing that my I will probably not believe even if I see it is like Keith Gavin. I, I'm going to have to see that in in like actual games. Spring games for me are are just not going to count there. Um, you know, there, there's so many. I mean, they, they even use Pookie Wilson on, on, on the side, you know, outside sometimes. There's a lot of options for this team. If you're Kendall Bryles, there's some stuff that's just got to absolutely depress you, like the offensive line, which I think is going to be bad again. Maybe not worse than the nation bad, but I think it'll still be bad. I, I don't think they're going to be able to get to above average, but that's just my opinion. Uh, but like receivers have got to imp- impress you, I think. To, to have Terry, to have DJ on the inside, Keyshawn, um, Heck, you got Trayshawn on the outside as well. You know, I I, I want to see some of those guys step up and make some plays. And uh, within that, how much are they going to use the tight ends? You know, maybe they incorporate those more or in a different manner. I'm, I'm excited to see um, how they use those guys. That one thing we talked about, I think, in, in the spring and, and right after Browse was hired is that I do think you'll see more, uh, more RPOs which is something you did not use very much last year. And I don't mean like quarterback runs. I mean, uh, RPOs were literally, it's, it's either a handoff uh, or, you know, you, you, the backer sucks up and you throw it over his head, right? You, you basically make him be wrong no matter where he chooses. Well, a lot of those, you know, pop pass type RPOs do go to the tight end. And I'd be really interested to see if perhaps they, uh, they, they use some of those as well, Um Although my guess is that Kendall Bryles probably keeps this thing pretty vanilla because the uh, basically everybody who runs that Baylor offense is known for being extremely secretive with their offense. They don't give up a damn thing at clinics or otherwise. They just want to keep it super, super, you know, kind of private. And uh, I don't necessarily blame them. And uh, in a spring game, I don't know how much I'm gonna gonna debut other than just the basics. You know, you're your slot choice, your Y choice stuff that they've run at every single stop uh, that they've been at. And um, I do think they'll try to push tempo, though, because that's one thing that helps out uh, the, the offensive line, which uh, I was told just absolutely got their brains beat in in the last scrimmage. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's something that we kind of both mentioned to each other, and that's uh, not necessarily shocking, Uh, uh place that there's tons of work to do uh but guys who have injury history or still guys that have injury history and uh you know you're going to be going to be relying upon some of those newer names that were brought in whether they be juco kids or otherwise to uh very possibly start for you uh it's just a situation that's going to be a, a multiple year project here the roberts kid is going to have to start for you I mean, I'm pretty sure about about that. Um, you know, I, I that's the other one, by the way. I don't know that I can trust if Juwan, like even if Juwan Williams goes out there and plays like lights out and gets a hundred percent grade. I don't know that I can actually trust him when the lights come on, right? Like, like just the the night and day of him in games as opposed to him in practice. And I'm trying to be delicate here because he's a kid. Uh, is just. In games, he looks nothing like what I was told he looked like in practice by guys who were accurate to me about other things in practice. So, you know, like I, that's one thing I'm not really going to take away. If he plays great, I don't really care. I'm not going to believe that until I see like a multiple game sample set, maybe like a 20 game sample set, you know. 
we'll we'll have to see on that twenty game sample set. Yeah, that'll be uh-huh. uh, setting the bar high. Um, anything else you want to uh, mention just from the from the scrimmage or any kind of tidbits of information that you were able to glean or take away from uh, what's transpired so far? Sure. Well, one thing I did hear uh, was that uh, Jaleel. I, I think this was actually said by Dontavious Jackson too. Uh, was it Jaleel McCray had a couple picks uh, in in the recent scrimmage? So that's cool. He's a smart player, man. Um, you know, like athletically, I don't think he's a freak. I, I think you got to have him play in a confined space. Uh, but that's a good thing, man. Like like that he's already showing he can pick up the defense and. Uh, um, here's something for you. How much 340 do you think they'll run in the spring game? Yeah. we know they've been running some. Yeah, um, it's it's something I've wondered about as well. Um, don't really don't really know for sure. I, I know that uh, something that they've tried a little bit, and it's something that uh, whether it, there's been like a desired intent uh, with how they've recruited or if it's more just the pieces that they've – had come their way via recruiting, but uh, the three four I think is something that you'll you'll see periodically throughout the year. I don't know how much how much of it we'll really see in spring. I I do wonder that too because if you don't show a whole lot, you can kind of spring it on Boise at, at least in terms of of interspersing it in. Uh, oh, here's something I had a conversation with somebody about today. Obviously, not an FSU person. Well, they are an FSU person, but they're not. This person's not on the staff. Um, if they go 3-4, do you think that they're going to try to claim that that was the plan all along? Or do you think that they're actually going to admit, hey, like we had these massive failures in recruiting, our defensive ends are, are not any good, and so our <laughs> linebackers are actually better than our DNs right now, so we have to adapt to our personnel? Uh, no, I, I don't think that'll be uh, expressed. I, I think it'll be more that that's uh, you know, something they, they've wanted to – wanted to do they wanted to be uh you know multiple and how they line up and how they present themselves i don't so think we're gonna they have would to preemptively call bs on this right basically yeah. because yeah. like nobody comes in hires a coaching staff that has run a 4-3 forever tries to <clears throat> tries to recruit to a 4-3 only switch to a 3-4 in year two that's not like that's not a move that's done that's a reaction move, which is maybe the correct reaction move. Actually, I think it is. Uh, but uh, that's not like a – yeah, if they try to pass that off as like a plan, like that was their intention the whole time, um, I'm not buying that. Uh, other stuff on the early enrollees. Uh, I did hear that – Dante, or excuse me, not Dontavious, but uh, uh, Dante Lucas has looked pretty good. Um, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he's getting starters reps at some point in 2019 uh, i heard some good things about true thompson actually so that was good to hear uh guy that you know, plays low can come off the ball we know about his size limitations but uh, has, has been given good effort so far and uh they're they're encouraged by that their uh their d tackle depth is kind of sneakily poor right like they've got wilson and durden and coop and those three, I think, are really high-level players, especially you know when, when Coop's in shape, like like he looks to be. Um, after that, like we'll see what they get out of Malcolm Lamar. Um, 
you know, Cedric Woods never really turned into a, a, a player. It's pretty thin on the inside, man, as far as actual defensive tackles. So uh, that's encouraging that, that that they that they like what True's given them. Um, obviously, Akeem Dent has looked really good. I think that's been in all the practice reports and, and everything that's come out is you know he's he's been quite good and uh, he, he's going to play a lot as a freshman, like I think most of us thought he would. Um, the one kid I'm very sure I missed on so far, dude, is uh, is Jay Williams, the the offensive tackle, the, the junior college kid. Uh, I I thought that he had good athleticism based on his tape uh, and the fact that you know he used to be a receiver who you know has put on a lot of weight. Uh, I wish I could have seen him in person, I guess, before uh, like actually you know working out in person. Uh, but uh, not going to get a chance to do that because I'm not going to fly out to a junior college in California uh, just for this podcast. I'm sure y'all will understand. Uh, what I was told is he's a long way from playing. Like a really long way. I don't know that he showed up in, in the best of shape. Uh, we knew that he had technique issues, right? But if he had athleticism and, and the size, uh, you know, they, they maybe they could, could mold him into something to where he's a he's a player in year two. At this point, I, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. Um, won't say can't, but um, I'm not convinced of that. So I, I think I was probably wrong to think that he could factor into their plans uh, even as depth. At this point, I'm, I think he's uh, running third team for a reason. Yeah, yeah, that's a you know a disappointment. Uh, both that that was the you know the main uh, JUCO kid that you were able to get traction with, and it was always a little bit of uh, uncertainty with him, just in his familiarity with the position from a history standpoint. Or um, you know, we'll see. Uh, pretty pretty early to call that a complete swing and a miss but i uh, will join you in saying that i haven't heard the uh the most positive of responses to uh to his time so far on campus so uh we'll see hopefully hopefully that ends up better than it started uh you know what it ends up great after a great start right great start great finish is our partners resolution home loans with resolution i've just gone through the mortgage process with them we closed on our house in february Loving it. Move in next weekend and, uh, and and very excited about it. When you call 844-FSU loan or you visit FSUHomeLoans.com, you're going to get hooked up with Shannon. Shannon Young is the best mortgage guy to deal with. He'll walk you through the entire process. It's great personalized service. He's knowledgeable. He's going to keep you in the loop. He's going to make sure that uh, you know, you're making the decisions that you want to make. If you tell him, hey, Shannon, I don't really care about this portion. You, you just do what you think's right. He'll do that for you as well, and then still keep you in the loop about what he did. Uh, competitive rates, great programs for veterans as well, uh, and, and and a whole lot of loyalty there uh, from them, not only to you, you the uh, the borrower, but also uh, to the show. So definitely support the show and support our sponsors if you can. Eight four four FSU Loan or FSU Home Loans dot com. Um, I kind of mentioned it, uh, not intentionally, but uh, you want to circle back real quickly to the idea of the number two wide receiver? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's a. Do you think that we have one emerge? Because I, I don't want to get into this like, oh, we're let's predict the spring game. These are just kind of things we're looking for, right? That we'll probably just circle back to in in our post game. But at the same time, yeah, like they do need to have a number two receiver emerge. Like I I don't trust that it's going to be Gavin. Um, 
you know, depending on how much four wide they run, like this will kind of be the third primary guy. Because I, I do think DJ is going to be your primary slot. Um, are you excited about Warren as am I? I think athleticism wise, I want to see Treshawn um, and and see just how much he can emerge. I, I know he plays behind Terry at times too, uh, and and I want to see Jordan Young because Jordan Young was kind of yeah. my guy. You know, I, I feel like I was really the first uh, the first national media person. In fact, I'm almost certain I am. I might still have the number one Google result for his name, like I, I did for a long time. Uh, I, I was kind of the first one to really blow him up as far as like the you know national recruiting scene. Like, hey, this guy. Physically, I mean, yeah, he's raw, but this dude's got it. And so I, I'm really excited to see how far he's come after, after a year where he was kind of held back by injuries and all, and all that good yep. stuff. Uh, some great names there. I mean, Treshawn Harrison, there were moments last year where that guy looked uh, – that guy looked like he was, you know, one of the more dynamic athletes that Florida State's had at, at the wide receiver position in quite a while. I think the there's a, you know, a massive uh, – Massive ceiling with that guy, and I would love to see him. Uh, ultimately, if I could, you know, pick any of uh, of the players, I think he's probably. And all of these guys we're talking about, Young is a an absolute athletic freak that you mentioned uh, that you ran across out in kind of um, Eastern Metro Atlanta. Um, Warren Thompson, big physical kid. All these guys are exceptionally physically gifted. Treshawn's just a little bit of a different athlete uh, and a guy with with uh, the ability to be as exciting, you know, in the space uh, or in open space with the ball in his hands as, as anybody on the roster. I also think that, uh, I, you know, I, I think that if Florida State is going to continue to try to recruit uh, nationally in places and try to take advantage of some of uh, Taggart's West Coast connections, that having a guy like Harrison blow up uh, could could pay you some some handsome dividends on the recruiting trail as well. So uh, a lot of a lot of different options, a lot of talented options, and uh, wide receiver will be you know something that we're not going to necessarily find any answers, uh, any significant or, or final answers uh, from the spring game. But it might help us to get a better idea as to you know ultimately who may be your uh, your second and third option with uh, with Terry and DJ. I agree with you on that. All right, uh, recruiting, I guess. I've been doing a lot of recruiting lately. Not recruiting, but like evaluating prospects, obviously. I don't do uh, – I don't actually recruit the kids. That would be immoral uh, – or, well, not immoral, but unethical uh, to be sure. Uh, so I – let me see. I've been at uh, Atlanta twice. Like the last two Sundays I was in Atlanta, and then before that I was in Bradenton and Tampa in the previous two Saturdays. Uh, and then I was uh, – I did the New Orleans-Houston back-to-back, the Saturday-Sunday hit there. Uh, And then I was in Atlanta again for a midweek thing. And then I was in Cali for eight days on some various projects. And then I was in Miami uh, for two. And then a couple other spots, IMG again. Uh, Anyway, I've been around, seen a lot of kids uh, this March. In fact, I think this is probably the most like recruiting related travel in a month I've ever done. And in fact, I probably should stop saying March because now it's April. Uh, but I got to see Jeff Sims uh, like three times in the last four weekends. So he's progressing nicely. Um, you know, he's still, you know, kind of raw as a prospect. Uh, you know, there's, there's some stuff in his game that needs to be cleaned up, but but he, he certainly has the tools that you look for to be 
a, a higher level prospect, you know, physical tools wise. We have asked, had a couple people ask us, Ingram, do we think he's getting bigger? Your uh, your co-host was actually going to ask you this exact question, so uh, I'm glad that glad that you brought it up. And you know, like three of the emails were like, "Hey, how much how much weight is Jeff?" Yeah, and recruiting's like, kind of tricky because, like, uh, you know, sometimes you can get a, a picture of a kid that was posted during his summer of his, you know, like he was a rising sophomore or something like that, and that may be his bio on. Uh, you know, rivals or two four seven or whatever for a year or something like that, and then all of a sudden you see video of a kid and you're like, "Well, my lord, that you know, significant transformation." Uh, but yeah, some of the video that I've seen from him recently just it looked like he was more, you know, significantly more put together than some of the stuff that I first saw from his commitment. So I think there's a couple things at work here. Number one, we know that 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 Jeff, you know works out hard and is uh, also a 17 year old. Right. And so, I mean, he's got all the benefits of like natural steroids, you know, uh, called puberty. Uh, so he is putting on muscle. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. However, I don't think he's putting on like super huge, noticeable muscle within the, the span of a month, which is kind of in, with the pictures that people are comparing are the main thing to work here is that in the first picture, he was wearing loose gray sleeves, right? Uh, long sleeves. In the second picture, he is wearing a uh, sleeveless hoodie, which is kind of a silly <laughs> garment if you think about it, right? Because it's, it's cold kinda, enough out to yeah, wear it serves a hoodie, neither purpose, exactly. Uh, but it does show off the guns, which uh, I think is what people are like, whoa, he got a lot more jacked. Um, I've always thought he was, you know, like like fairly well put together. Uh, he's never been like a like black and skinny. Um, but yet, even at his current size, he he has more room to fill out, particularly in the lower body. Uh, so I, I got to see him at IMG, uh, and I was able to see him as well at uh, at the Adidas. I, I did not stay for day two Adidas. I had to go back to Atlanta to see some kids I didn't get to see uh, at the opening. I was able to pick them up at the or you know, able to eyeball them at the uh, the Under Armour camp there in Atlanta. Um, so in the first game that I saw with Sims, I, I thought he struggled. Uh, I thought his his uh, his ball placement um, and recognition just wasn't there. Uh, and so I was like, oh wow, this is you know, you don't make like like rash judgments like oh this kid took a step back. I'm like no, it's one game. These these games last twenty minutes. It's like three or four drives, right? It, it would be like judging somebody. Oh my god, this kid took a step. You know, what a bad quarter, <laughs> you know, of a football game. Like like two or three drives, uh, but. Then I got to see him in games. Uh, I got to see their third game and a little bit of their second game, and he looked a lot better. Uh, Josh Newberg actually at at, at uh, Knowles two four seven was also there on the uh, on the second day because he didn't go to Atlanta, so he got to see him again. And uh, he posted some videos that that you know he, he made some good throws. I don't really care about throwing a jump ball to win the game, uh, but I do care about some of the other good throws that, that I thought were pretty impressive particularly the ball coming out uh, on time in a rhythm. So that was good uh, to, to see. And, and I think this staff knows how lucky they are to have Jeff in the fold. But, man, I got to tell you, they are lucky to have Jeff Sims committed to them. Like, not only talent-wise, yeah, he's one of the more talented kids in, in the 2020 quarterback class. We got that. He's got the size and all this stuff. But from a recruiting standpoint, it – it's a big deal to have a quarterback, especially, and 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 a kid who who I think other kids do flock to, 
leading your recruiting class after you just went five and seven, right? After you've lost like five games a bunch of times, that, you know, in, in, in this kid's lifetime and in the lifetime of these kids, right? Like, yeah, you have the title, but also like you got to think when, when was Jeff born? Oh, two. Right. So since Oh, two, I mean, think about the think about the 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 records Florida State has had. They ha- they have a title, and they also went to the playoffs in, in a team that was kind of getting ripped in the media a lot. Other than that, they don't have a whole lot of impressive seasons in there, you know, um, like not a lot of seasons where they would have gone to the BCS if if they had been eligible from from O two until now. Not that Jeff remembers O two, but you know, just from the time these guys got into middle school, that would be O seven, you know. Um, and it does certainly, the, the title means a lot. It, it's, it's a big deal. Um, but to have Jeff and, and have him be charismatic and, and, and talking to all these kids, uh, it's, it's definitely a blessing for Florida State's recruiting right now. And, and, and one name, uh, that we know he was very interested in was, was Malachi White out of Sarasota, big time prospect, I think, um, two sport kid. We talked about him before, but I, I was really excited to see him Ingram against, uh, South Florida Express, which is one of the better seven-on teams in the country. Uh, I don't really, I don't really care who wins or loses seven-on games because I don't cover seven-on as a sport. I use it as a tool to evaluate prospects. Um, so a lot of people are like, "Who won?" You know, I'll have, I'll have coaches or parents text me it's like, "I, <laughs> coach, I don't know." <laughs> you know, uh, and like you, you know, and I'm not trying to be a jerk about it, but I'm like, man, I. I don't know. Like I'm focusing on specific prospects or I may be filming, you know, the defense as a whole, but I, I don't really care about that, but I really was interested to see how Weidman would look against that level of athlete. And, uh, he was by far the best player for, for his air five, seven on team against them. He made several nice catches against the express defense. And I was like, okay, this, this kid's got, got some real ability. And I mean, not that I didn't know that because his, his footage, obviously on the football field and also him dunking on people in basketball is very impressive. Florida state has, uh, has certainly put themselves in a, uh, a good kind of early contender status for him. I don't know that he's going to like come in anytime soon, but uh, I think coordinating his desire to play both sports in college is, is going to be important for whichever school lands him. But it, but it was good to see him go against other elite competition. Cause in Sarasota, you know, some of the, Local competition is just not the best. Uh, local prospect, uh, local prospect for me, anyways. Uh, and I'll let you uh, give me a tutorial on making sure I pronounce the kid's name right again. But uh, kid out of Tucker High, which for my money is probably probably one of the five best schools in the state as far as a consistent production of talent. But uh, uh, Isaiah Dunson. Yep. Yeah, I know. Yeah, right. Isaiah uh, won the Isaiah other kid. Was the other guy whose name looked like Isaiah that I think I mispronounced, but uh Oh yeah. uh Isaiah. Isaiah, thank you. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, somebody else told me that it's not Isaiah. I was like, okay, well I might have to ask the kid next time I see him, right? And just be like, hey, how do you want your name pronounced? Because sometimes the kid won't actually correct you. You know, which I wish they would. Um you know, but sometimes I think they're just so excited to talk to, to somebody that they just kind of go with, with whatever you say. Or it's just polite, you know. A lot of times people just don't feel comfortable correcting people on pronunciation of name. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. I, I, 
I don't know. I just I wouldn't feel offended. I, I would just I'd feel appreciative. Like, hey, I, I appreciate you. Let me know. You know, it's it's uh, you know, it's good to meet you in person. Um, okay, so Isaiah Dunson looked very good at both the opening Atlanta and also uh, the Under Armour Atlanta game or uh, the camps back to back weekends. I think he's a legitimate like he's listed at six one. I, I think that's a legit height. Oftentimes, these kids are nowhere near what they're listed. Uh, for his height, he moves very well. I think he's a competitive kid. Uh, if he, he kind of reminds me a little bit in some ways of Carlos Becker, you know, who hasn't so far, largely due to injury, uh, worked out in, in his career here in Tallahassee. But uh, um, I, I like his skills a lot coming out of high school. I, I think Dunson uh, might be a little bit better as far as change of direction, um, but but the length and and, and the top end are both good, and uh, that that's a kid that I think Florida State uh, is is got to be really happy to have in the fold. I, I I like most of the commits they have in this class. The question for me is just kind of what do they have going forward? Like who else are they going to add to it? You know, um, and I know we have a couple other other kids in that category who uh, who we want to talk about. Yeah, uh, first one is uh, Jaquavius Marks, I believe. Uh, Jaquavius is another prospect here from. Uh, from the metro Atlanta area, Carver High School, um, kind of a kind of a little bit of a I don't know if I want to describe him as a scat back, but not necessarily a, a big physical runner. Um, where do you think uh, Florida State currently stands with him? Seems as though uh, maybe Florida State and Mississippi State are the two schools that are out in front. Yeah, so I interviewed him, uh, and I, I haven't even put this up yet, but you know, I, I want to uh, I want to make sure to you know actually have some time to do it anyway uh yeah marks I, I talked to him and i agree with you i do think that after watching him he is a guy you want to use in space he's not tight he's not like trenton holiday tiny you know but but he's he's definitely not a, a big kid uh very competitive goes hard in the drills and and in the one-on-ones did a good job of, of getting open and getting separation, so definitely somebody that, that Florida State could use if they, if they if they decide to take him. He really enjoyed his visit down there to Tallahassee, uh, brought his family with him, and, uh, and and is looking forward to getting back down again. Um, it, it wouldn't shock me if if he tries to pull the trigger uh, this summer. Um, I I think there's a there's some chance. That he's in the class, like he, he's definitely a guy that has serious interest in Florida State. He you know, he was trying to keep trying to play it straight in the interview, but you could tell he, he definitely likes Florida State uh, quite a bit. Good, uh, good by me. Uh, another kid that we've talked about, another Georgia prospect. This time we're going down to uh, to the bottom of the state. Uh, Jaheem Bell, wide receiver prospect out of Aldosta. Um, some have him on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, others have him uh stay in as kind of an athlete um where exactly do you see him projected i know it's somebody that you've been uh pretty excited on based off what you've seen on uh on both the the gridiron and the hard court yeah man we were, we were chatting about this a little bit earlier i think before we hit record but I, so i got to see him play receiver at, at the uh, the opening camp there in atlanta and he was extremely good went up got the football uh, was fairly twitchy. This kid's jacked, by the way. Like he's, he does not skip the weight room. You know, um, like we like we said, he is a good basketball player. Explosive in the in the lower half. I I was impressed with his ball skills. You know, g- going up and taking the football away 
for opposing defensive backs, but also his ability to get open. You know, that, that was an, an encouraging thing to me. I, I don't know what he measured. I'm not, I'm not sure, like, that he's actually 6'3", uh, like, like he is on his profile. Maybe he is. It, to me, and perhaps it's just because of the width of his body, he's, he's a fairly, like, built-out, thicker kid, you know? Um, not your typical, like, basketball player build. I wouldn't say and they're, they're usually very, very like, like tall and lean and, you know, kind of, kind of wiry. Uh, he's, he's a guy that looks college ready uh, athletically. And, uh, you know, he's been down in Florida state several times recently is definitely high on, on the program. Uh, I don't know that he's necessarily ready to make a commit or anything like that, but, uh, but somebody Florida state identified and, uh, and is offered and, and is definitely very happy, uh, uh, to, to go after. So I, I was pretty impressed, man. He, he did, a, he did a good job and, and was better than I thought and kind of opened my eyes as far as like, okay, what position will this guy play? You know? And to be honest, dude, he's got the size to play linebacker, not like Mike, but he could easily play the star position or, 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 or the wheel or, or, or something like that in this defense. So that, that would not surprise me at all. But I, I think at this point you got to look at him on the offensive side of the ball uh, after he showed what he showed. We'll go from uh, from Valdosta over to Phoenix City, Alabama. Uh, a couple of teammates. Uh, Javian Cohen is uh, maybe the lesser regarded of the two prospects, uh, offensive tackle prospect. And then uh, E.J. Williams, who is, uh, <clears throat> again, not, not necessarily like the number one wide receiver in the class by any means, but a guy who has offers from uh, from kind of the the uh, when I he's got offers from like Clemson, Alabama. I mean, he has he has all the offers that you would expect from uh, one of the better prospects, receiver prospects in this part of the country. Right. I so I got I got a chance to see EJ. He's an excellent receiver. Um, you know, like you said, one of the best. He's got the height. He's got the speed. He's got the ball skills. He, he's a really good player. Um, most people think he's going to Clemson. It does seem like he and Jeff Sims connected very well. I, I got to chat with him briefly at the Under Armour event before they had to get back in stretch line. He definitely liked his visit down to Florida State. Uh, he would like to take another one down there. Jeff Sims has been in his ear, as, like not only privately, but also publicly on Twitter, talking about how we, you know, we need to get you back down here and all, and all that good stuff. Uh, Florida State it is in uh, solid position with him. Now, most people think he's going to Clemson, though, and as we know, there's no prize for second place. I will note that Clemson, recruiting-wise this year, is uh, they're kind of on a different level than everybody else in the country, to be honest, as far as like who they're saying yes to, and importantly, like who they've said no to. You know, like I know there's a five-star offensive tackle in Texas that Clemson turned away, just because they didn't have room. You know, so like they good problems to have. Yeah. There's a lot of really, really good – like there's a top 100 linebacker who I think wants to go to Clemson, but they haven't offered him yet. They may not have They may not have space. And I'm not speaking for Clemson. I'm just saying like this is me reading the tea leaves. I think they'll have space for EJ if he wants to go there, but they're a tough read this year. I, I don't know for sure, right? Like I thought that they were going to end up with, with um, Xavier Henderson, the little brother – of uh, CJ, who's at Florida, and now I'm not convinced of that. So we'll see. <laughs> you know, I, I, but Florida State has done a good job with him. 
for sure. Uh, now, you got to think about the Clemson connection here. You know who went to Phoenix City, right? For the listeners, Justin Ross, the uh, superstar yeah, it's, it's, freshman it's, receiver. It's the uh, Yeah, the other half of the freshman phenomena tandem for uh, for Clemson right now. So, yeah. Right. So the the, the kid who, who was your teammate just last year uh, is now starring at Clemson as a true freshman, which is a lot of incentive for you as a receiver uh, to go to Clemson. But Florida State has done a good job on him. If something happens there with you know maybe room in the class or whatever, uh, then I think Florida State would be in a good position, and maybe they'll be able to beat him out. We'll we'll see. Um, you know, if I'm Florida State, I'm probably pitching the kid. Hey, uh, you're only going to get the player with Trevor for one year. You know, you and Jeff can come in the same year, build that chemistry, and have a great three years. That's probably my pitch. It, it, like it's it's hard to go negative on the national champions. But uh, but if I had to, that's probably what I would say. Moving to a uh, another offensive line prospect, Tate Johnson, kid out of uh, West Georgia, uh, Hogan'sville area. Oh, we uh, got to talk about guy Cohen. that uh, Jamie on Co- just real quickly here. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we, yeah, we mentioned we mentioned his teammate. Didn't really circle back to him at all. You're right. Um, so Jamie on Cohen is an offensive tackle out of Phoenix City. He committed to South Carolina very recently, and he's very much in this phase where he's like kind of he's like all about South Carolina loves South Carolina uh and doesn't want to hear like from any other schools like respectfully but he's like no I just like you know South Carolina showed me the love earliest blah 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 uh I don't know, blah 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 the kid but basically like I talked to him for a while and he's like yeah I just you know it's all South Carolina for me I know they they, they believe in me they they offered me first uh, I'm a priority for them they seem to have made a lot of early offers this year. Seem to have made a, a good, a, you know, decent impression. Now, how much that really that really holds, we'll see. But uh, they seem to seem to have gotten pretty aggressive on trying to get out in front of the pack this year. Yeah, and you know, like we'll see if that holds for them. Obviously, Kentucky. Uh, I don't think we talked about this in the last show, but Gerald Mincy, uh, a kid who Florida State has offered, uh, he decommitted from Kentucky recently, and we'll have to see what happens to the guy from Coco. Uh, it was also a Kentucky commit uh, for now. Uh, I kind of doubt that'll hold either. Um, but yeah, the, like if you're kind of those like B or C level schools, you have to offer kids early on if you have any chance to get them. You know, um, if you're kind of an A level school, and, and I, I would still include Florida State in that, obviously. Uh, if you offer these kids early, you run the risk of them jumping on, and then you got to try to figure out a way to, to kind of dump them. Or let him down easy, uh, or let him off easy, rather, with uh, without causing a scene and without also disrupting the you know the recruiting at the other positions, right? So you do have to be a little bit more selective about who you offer. Um, right now, I think he doesn't want to hear from anybody else. It would not shock me if in two three months, if if he comes down on a visit with EJ. Just saying, I hear this a lot from these kids. They're like, oh no, I'm totally committed to this school. I'm recruiting for this school, et cetera. And who knows? Maybe he sticks with that. Not sure. But uh, for right now, that's kind of his position. All right. Now we'll move to uh, back to the Peach State here. Tate Johnson, kid out of West Georgia, uh, Hogansville area, a guy who probably projects as a guard. Uh, somebody you got to see in Atlanta. Is that right? Back-to-back weekends, yeah. Um, he did great, man. I, I, was, I was pretty impressed. Now, I'm not saying he's a great prospect, but I think he played very well both weekends um with tate 
somebody who was at the camp told me that he had lost a lot of weight recently, right? Like in, maybe in the last year, which could explain why he was not a really highly rated prospect uh, prior to now. But he's shooting up those boards. I mean, he has legitimate size, uh, moves very well, good body control, um, plays with a lot of confidence and a little bit of a mean streak. So I, Florida State's got him on campus. They like him. And uh, it wouldn't shock me if, if they're able to make a move there with him. I think with FSU this year, the question is going to be, like, how many guards do you really want to take? You know, like, you, you need tackles. Your tackle position is an absolute disaster on the roster right now. Period. Your guards are great, but it's a little bit better than, than your tackles, you know? Um, so... But he's a kid they're they're certainly interested in, and that, that was that was good to see. For everybody, it's like, oh, why is the uh, you know why is this kid a three star? I mean, I want to see what his current ranking is, but I did see some stuff on that on Twitter. People were were saying he's not a good player. Uh, yeah, his ranking is really, really shooting up quite a bit, and uh, and for good reason. So now uh, on the composite, he's six forty seven. I got to imagine that'll change because ESPN moves their rankings usually after the Under Armour camps. Uh, and 247 has him as a top 20 guard uh, in the country. He can also snap. So he, he was playing some center. Uh, good to see him you know, lose the bad weight and continue to uh, to get better as a player. 6'4", uh, 310 is what he's listed at. Uh, probably, yeah, I, I, I guess I would buy that. Um, he, he's, not, he's not drastically... Outside of that range, I guess we got to move a little faster. Damn, I didn't realize we're an hour and ten minutes. <laughs> no, pro- uh, yeah, no problem there. Uh, it's been a minute though. I, I'm glad to join you guys again. I just I've had so much stuff going on, you know, between moving and and, uh, and all that travel. So, Will Anderson, another Georgia prospect. Uh, Will is out of uh, Hampton, Georgia, which is about mm, probably about forty minutes south of Atlanta, uh, Dutchtown High School. Uh, just give us your opinion on the uh, defensive end prospect here. Okay, so this is a this is a, an important one here. This is actually Kevon Glenn's teammate. Remember Kevon Glenn, the uh, the linebacker. Yeah, I was going to say late? he's from the same same high school as the three star linebacker they added on late. This is one of the kids I wanted to go see in, in at, at the Under Armour one, and he did not disappoint. He went up against some of the better uh, offensive linemen at the event, and uh, he won the vast majority of his reps. I think it, I think the size is legitimate. Um, he, he's a good edge rusher. Good balance, has a counter move. He can convert speed to power, although, I mean, he didn't have to show that a whole lot. Uh, very aggressive kid. I like his highlight tape. Um, I wonder what he's, I don't, know, I don't know what he's rated right now. 247 has him pretty highly rated, uh, 157th nationally. Uh, and on the, on the composite, yeah, 157th, 247 individual ranking has him 82nd. Uh, I, I think that's totally fair. Um, he's definitely somebody that Florida State, in my opinion, should make a priority target in this class and, uh, and get him back on campus, have, uh, have Kevon uh, help there. And they have plenty of time to sell at, at the edge, edge rusher position. There is no doubt about it because they don't have a whole lot of guys who can rush off the edge. Uh, moving to, uh, to Jalen Rivers, one of the, uh, <clears throat> one of the most prominent Offensive tackle prospects that Florida State has on their board right now. A real big kid out of uh, out of Orange Park, Florida, six six three thirty somewhere in that area. Uh, somebody you got, or somebody actually that made their way to Tallahassee recently. 
Yeah, so I, I put them here because I was going to talk about uh, kids I expected for the spring game, uh, but they actually came in, uh, Jalen and, and his teammate, defensive end Chance Williams, uh, they both actually came in uh, over the weekend. So uh, that's really good that Florida State was able to get them on campus because you got to get those guys on campus as many times as possible. Uh, they should be priority targets for you. I, I know they are. I feel like Florida State had slipped for them somewhat uh, in you know following the the going five and seven uh, and and looking like a, like a cluster uh, oftentimes. Um, but getting those kids back on campus is big. We know they have some FSU connections. They also like Florida, and they like they like Miami and Georgia. So stiff competition there. But uh, I've not talked to Jalen yet. I'll probably text him this week or next to find out where his head's at after his most recent visits. But uh, good to see if you're a Florida State fan, they were able to get those kids back on campus. Uh, another offensive line prospect of the state of Georgia, Gainesville, Georgia, which is about 45 minutes outside of Atlanta, uh, Jordan Williams. So this is kind of a cool, like, little neat thing. And, and this is just – if you're listening to an hour and 13 minutes of a college ball podcast in April, you probably like this, right? Uh, this is a kid who – his stance looks kind of jacked up. I'm not sure that he actually has a great idea of what he's doing yet technique-wise. And yet back-to-back weekends, I saw him win against pretty good players. You know, he's an offensive tackle. Uh, by the way, offensive tackle. <laughs> alert, 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 right? Uh, I saw him win back-to-back weekends, man, against pretty good players. With a stance that doesn't look super refined, with technique that doesn't look amazingly refined, and yet he had the footwork and the balance and the length to get in front of people, to anchor a little bit, to, to not lunge and overextend. And I was like, okay. Like, I, I haven't even had a chance to watch this huddle yet. I've not even unpacked. My wife is probably going to yell at me that the suitcase is still in, in the foyer. Um, but this is one of the huddle tapes. I'm, I'm excited to, to pop in and see. And I'm not saying Florida State should rush out and offer Jordan Williams of Gainesville, Georgia, but I am saying they should probably try to get this kid down for a camp because he back-to-back weekends, you know, like pretty good job. So I was I was impressed there. He does have some offers. Um, yeah, he's somebody that uh, I think the Georgia Tech staff is going to end up making a priority, actually, uh, just from talking okay. to some people that are associated with that program, uh, Tech's been pretty aggressive in their recruitment as you would expect in a first year uh, tenure and that's kind of somebody that somewhat fits the model of a kid that they think they have a realistic chance of signing so so two schools whose offers I do respect a lot right uh, Scott Satterfield who's now at Louisville but when he was at uh, when he was at Appalachian State they offered him uh, in October uh, and then um, I think NC State's done a good job offering kids recently um they offered him in February. Other than that, it seems like those are his kind of two big – he did pick up Georgia Tech, like you said. Um, anyway, I, I'm i a little bit surprised Louisville has not doubled back on an offer, right? Like, this kid could definitely play Louisville, I think. Um, but maybe they're evaluating their board differently at the moment. Um, but, yeah, that's a kid I think Florida State should just take a look at. He's His ranking right now is uh, – uh, 849th in the nation. So, eh, you know, maybe maybe should move him up to make him like a top 50 tackle, you know, as opposed to uh, to what he is currently. So, anyway, um, I got uh, two more names left. Uh, Brian Robinson the, uh, from Palm Beach Central. 
teammate of a or former teammate of Akeem Dent. Currently committed to Miami, but uh, he's going to be making his way up for the spring game. Uh, he's told me that back-to-back weekend, so unless plans change, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where he'll be. He had a good tournament again for Express. Uh, kid who doesn't say a whole lot, but but he does he does play hard when the pads are on, which I like. And uh, he has a good relationship with Ron Dugans. That's kind of his guy. So we'll have to see if Florida State can, uh, uh, can make a move on him. And then also uh, Chris Morris uh, told me, Chris Morris is a kid who recently visited Florida State. He told me that he thought the uh, the staff uh, was was very serious and kind of all business, which he liked. Um, he knows they have a, a you know playing time need, and that if he did have to make a top five, uh, there's a good chance that Florida State would make it in it. Although he said his the three that he knows would be in it for sure are Auburn, Georgia, and Clemson. So I don't want to mislead y'all and say that they're in, you know in the lead dog position or anything like that. Uh, but uh, Florida State is definitely somebody. Uh, who you know has his attention somewhat? Um, Chris was on that tour of kids uh, from Memphis and Florida State. Also recently offered his his teammate, a quarterback who's in the 2022 class, uh, whose name escapes me, and I'm probably not going to Google it at this second. But uh, if you really we'll want, have, uh, well, have, I was going to say we'll have plenty of time to circle back to the 2022 class. I'm <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of it, man. Um, I think for me, I. We're basically out of time, so I will probably talk about which recruits showed up to the actual spring game in our in our post review. Fantastic. We'll look forward to it. Uh, great to be able to get you back and put together another one of these uh, episodes. Um, keep in mind, if you're in Tallahassee, we'd love to see you the uh, day of the spring game. Uh, we'll continue to tweet out some of the details with our uh, get-together at Madison Social. And as always, just uh, thank you for your listen. Uh, Bud and I consider ourselves fortunate to be able to continue to do this podcast and continue to receive uh, the support that we do and we'll look forward to seeing you in person or if not we'll be back with a a post-spring game podcast here uh, shortly after shortly after saturday's activities